Our mission at Resonate Church is to amplify His voice, demonstrate His love, and expand His kingdom. If you're looking for the full video version of this message, you can find it on our YouTube channel or Facebook page at Resonate Church. This week we have Hannah Van Wagner bringing us a fantastic message that may truly change the way that you look at the love of Christ, and it's called His Full Invitation. I hope you enjoyed the message, and if you do, please be sure to let us know by leaving a like and subscribing to our podcast. Well, good morning, Resonate. I'm so excited to be with you today. Um, If I can be honest, my heart is so full. I'm not sure how today's going to go at all, Um, but I'm expecting amazing things today. So, um, but one thing is sure, I need the Holy Spirit today. So would you just start by praying with me? Um, Dear Heavenly Father, we come today to unpack something so deep and so treasured that we could spend a lifetime learning and never reach the end. And Father, how do we possibly begin to comprehend all that you are and all that you love? Father, so I pray that today that you would open our eyes, that you would open the eyes of our heart, and that we would just receive something new today, something precious from you, Lord, and that we would... um, we would rise, we would rise from the ashes to a new life, to a new standard, to a new um, way of living because of the revelation of who you are. I pray that, Lord, that you would give me the words to say, that you would give me the wisdom, the clarity of mine, that your words would come today and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, this is like, I don't even know how to follow the act that I just watched. Everything from, from the mission trip to worship to um, all of you worshiping up here. And um, I don't hardly know how to follow it, but at the same time, what the Lord has is something precious. Um, we've been talking for several weeks on his love. Pastor Paul has been walking us through this um, series on being the container of love and just a revelation of the enormity of who God is and the love that he has for us. And if we could process that fully, um, your, your life would look different than it does now. Can I just be honest? Like my life would look different than it does right now if we could fully process these ideas. And like I said, we could take our whole life to dive into this. Can, can I say that, um, I, I just want to start with a disclaimer because sometimes when we talk about the love of God, we get into almost a complacent mode because it can be, it can be redundant sometimes. It can feel redundant because like, oh, I've heard this a million times before. And if I'm honest, it kind of irritates me, um, especially when I'm, when I'm talking with somebody and if, when my response is, you need a revelation of God's love, for them to think I'm almost neglectful in that. Sometimes I get that response from people. Can I, can I say that if, if the love of God does not answer every single question, you don't know it? Okay, if, if the love of God is not the answer to every single problem in your life, nothing withheld, you don't know the love of God. You don't have a revelation of who he is. Um, This is something, this is the most treasured substance we could ever attempt to grasp. 
this is something that will never be old. So my prayer for you today is if I say love of God and you check out, say I've heard this one before, can I challenge you to check in? Can, can I challenge you that God has something new for you and you have not reached the end? You are not the pinnacle of all, I'm not the pinnacle of all revelation on this subject. Nobody is because um, what do the elders see, right? What do the elders see that makes them cry holy? What do the angels see? Truly, we could never fully comprehend this. Um, but we're going to try to do a little bit more today, okay? You coming with me? So um, let me just say, um, before I get too deep, thank you to Pastor and Colleen, and happy anniversary. Um, we're so thankful for them. Um, I was kind of honored. Taylor and I got to spend a little bit of time with them yesterday on their anniversary, and I felt loved just that they would invite us into that time. So we're, we're very thankful for them, and we're, um, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to speak with you guys today. He's been, uh, Pastor's been such a coach, and um, they've been such parents to us that has been such a blessing, spiritual parents. Um, and truly, I'm, I'm honored and blessed to come under their under their leadership, their mantle, and begin to share something, some things with you. So thank you to them. Um, what we're going to cover today, my title of my message is called His Full Invitation. His Full Invitation. I had a much more complicated one, and I made it a lot simpler. So hopefully that's a little easier to chew on today. Um, but bottom line, God has invited you and I to relationship, correct? He, he's, he's invited us into relationship with himself. However, if we were to take that invitation and compare it to one single human connection, our, our understanding of that, of that invitation would fall tragically short of what God has for us, okay? Um, so what I want to unpack today is his full Invitation. There's no way that one human relationship could fully unpack all that God wants to be for you and with you and in you. There's no way that we could do that. So we're going to talk about four. Four of the invitations that God has given to us that really it's one invitation, but it's invitation to be all of these things for you um, simultaneously, all at one time, never, never lacking one or another, never favoring one invitation over another. This is what we're going to try to unpack, and this is a, a topic I could meditate on for days and still be in a black hole. So I apologize if you leave here in a black hole. Um, but the first thing we need to know about this invitation is it's free. Love is a choice. Um, love is a gift. The gift that God has given you, the invitation he's given you, has absolutely nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing. If you can get past the offense of that statement, it's beautiful. <laughs> Because if it has absolutely nothing to do with you, and you can do absolutely nothing to earn it, you can also do absolutely nothing to lose it, right? This is something really important. We need to understand this because if we're even going to begin to grasp the depth of his love, we have to understand how free it is <laughs> that we have to be able to, to, to approach it without fear, if there's fear of losing, 
something, it changes the way that you approach it, correct? Um, if you fear losing um, a friend, how you talk to them is going to be different than one you know is sure, right? You're going to be a little less, maybe a little less needy, I don't know, a little less something, a little less obnoxious, be a little quieter, more contained, you know, um, because you're afraid of losing them and you want to earn their love, right? You can't do that with the love of God. It is free, unconditional, absolutely for you. This is everything he wants to be for you, okay? So, the first part of this, the first invitation is slave. I understand, I know the room is real quiet right now. Um, I'm probably going to spend the most time on this one for a little bit because it has the, it's the one that has the most potential to be misunderstood. But if you dig to the depth of this revelation, it is positively beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, understand that you and I were destined to be a slave to someone. It's our fate. Okay, um, it says in Romans 6, 16, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Slavery wasn't a choice, okay? I know this one has... Um, a lot of heavy weight in our society, and, and I understand that. Um, by, the, by the fallen human nature, um, this, is, this is wasn't, was never a healthy um, establishment, but if you looked at it in a biblical context, it actually was, um, it wasn't a negative thing, it was a positive thing, it was a, as a way of actually resetting your life. If you look at it according to the Levitical law, it was, a, it was an opportunity really to almost sell yourself into slavery to somebody. And they were required every seven years to release their slaves. Um, and they were to release their slaves with basically funds, if you were to compare it to our society. They were to leave with some sort of um, collateral, some cattle or money or some kind of substance to start a new life. So... Understand that slavery in, under the Levitical law wasn't necessarily negative, but can I also suggest that perhaps what made slavery a positive or negative situation was based on who your master was. There were masters that were cruel to their slaves, right? Um, we're well aware of this. There were masters that um, treated their their slaves as cattle. But could I suggest that perhaps there were slave owners that um, chose to be slave owners because their fate was slavery, but their fate doesn't have to be a negative one if they're in my household. Okay, can I, can I suggest? There, there were people that after slavery was undone in our society that chose to stay with their masters because of the relationship that was built. Because there was something more to it. Okay, you and I were slaves to sin. Bottom line. This was our fate. 
we had no choice in the matter. We chose it. We chose it a long time ago. And destruction was our destiny. The enemy's only purpose is to come steal, kill, and destroy. Sin takes root in your life, and its sole purpose is to consume you and to destroy you. This was what we were destined for, and we had no choice in the matter until Jesus came along, right? Until Jesus came along and he redeemed you with his own blood. With his own blood, he traded his life for yours. But did you, did you notice what that verse said? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God. You see, he set you free so that your fate was now yours to decide. Okay, how beautiful is that? Okay, and we're not talking about just any common redeemer. We're talking about the Lord of creation. We just sang about him. We cannot possibly comprehend who this is. The wind and the waves obey this Lord. The wind and the waves. The stars in the sky scream his praises. The angels sing all day long over this redeemer of ours. And he chose you and he set you free to make a choice not to enslave you without choice again, but to set you free to make a choice to choose to become his legal property or sins. Do you see the difference here? Do you see the significance and the beauty of this moment? That this is not something to be lightly understood, but there's a beauty in the fact that I can call myself a slave of Christ because I've chosen to obey him. Understand, we have to choose one or the other. We cannot have one foot in in one world and one in another because sin will consume you. So that's why his invitation is to come be my slave. Make me your Lord. This is why it says, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They've been purchased out of their slavery to sin and they've been adopted into the slavery of the house of God, where his purpose is so different from the enemy's. And understand, in lordship, there's two sides to this, okay? Um, Understand that lordship has two sides. It has the side of, he is now the one I obey, He's the one I follow. I become a slave to righteous living. But the other side of that is you become his legal property, which means he's legally responsible for your well-being. Right? Okay, those under their household, Abraham actually had many slaves. To be a slave in his household was an honor because of the way he treated his slaves. It was, a, it was a healthy place to be. Imagine, okay, this is a man who served God. Imagine being in the household of God, right? This, that he is now legally responsible for your well-being. Can I just say that this is a good place to be? Um, so he purchases back to make us free to choose whom we would serve. Romans 6, 17 to 18 says, thank God. 
once you were slaves of sin, now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. You are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. And Titus 2.14 says, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds, totally committed to the house of God, totally committed to a new way of life. It is extreme. It is an extreme redemption, okay? This isn't the end of this invitation, but we need to understand this one. Because if we don't understand this one, the the significance of the next three have much less value. He's invited you into something incredible, to live your life to pursue his kingdom, to pursue his will, to pursue his word. Can I tell you how beautiful that picture is? And yet, this isn't the end of what he wanted us for, because the next invitation he gives is friend. John 15, 15 to 16 says, I no longer call you slaves. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. Didn't you choose, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Understand, slavery is your access to his household. But it's not the end goal of what he invited you to. He wanted you in his household so that he could elevate you and make you friend. In a... um, in a, in like a, in a boss-employee relationship, there's typically a, like a boundary drawn, correct? Um, there's, there's a, this is what we, this is how we socialize. I can love you and I can um, enjoy spending time with you, but I have to draw a line because there comes a point where I have to have authority over you, Right? And, and that's, that's a limitation that comes in a slave-master relationship. While it's important to have it, understand that he didn't want that boundary there. He wanted to invite you in. He wanted to confide in you. He wanted to tell you what he's doing, to um, educate you about the world around you, to educate you about your life, to educate you about so much more than what you currently see. He wanted to lift you higher than you were. Okay? He wanted you to be his friend. He doesn't want to hide himself from you. His invitation is to get to know him on a personal level, not just as a lord and a, and a slave not just as one who follows orders, but one who grows in understanding, grows in understanding of what he's doing and to share his heart with someone. I don't know if I have a good friend. Um, It's somebody that I like to escape kind of from the world with, if I'm honest. 
This is someone who, usually this person is someone who relates to you on some personal level. They get what it's like to maybe run a business or be an, be an employee or work in a school or be in ministry together. This is someone that you can identify with. And it's someone that's fun to process with, right? It's fun to just sit down and like talk about the intentions of your heart and what's going on in your life. And, and someone who can be a support to you in some way that can encourage you on some level. This is what the Lord has invited you to, to be his friend, okay? Not just to be your friend, but for you to be his, okay? If you don't understand, okay, one, if you don't under, first understand slave, this, this revelation has so much less significance because anybody can go to the cafeteria and find the person sitting alone and make a friend, Right? I'd say, I know in high school, it's what they always encouraged us to do. Go find the person who has no friends and go make a friend. No, 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 no. The Lord of your life, the one who leads this world, the one who created this world, designed it, and the words of his mouth have creative properties. It, it, the words of his mouth form the things that you see, touch, and feel. He designed you and intricately wove you together in your mother's womb. He said, I want you to be my friend. Do you see the significance? Do you see the difference between those two? Y'all aren't getting this yet. Can I just tell you that? You're not getting it yet, and that's okay, because the Holy Spirit will show you when you're ready. Um, but at the same time, again, a friend has limitations, right? When I hang out with my friend, I go home. I don't share everything with this person. The next two invitations are so much more in intimate. They're so much more involved. They carry a promise of his presence, and so I'm, kind of, I'm really excited to dive into these for you, and you know them so well. But the next one is son. He's invited you to be his son. It says in Romans 8, 14 to 17, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, what? Slaves. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Even though he invited you into slavery, into his household, to be his legal property, he didn't give you a spirit. He didn't come to break you and make you submit to him, right? He came to give you a choice because in the end, his full intention was love. And love is not possible if there is no choice. So he did not give you a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Do you see the increasing depth that he's invited you to? the increasing, the ever deeper into his heart. We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. He calls you son. He's adopted you as son. 
And I speak this very specifically. I know I'm a woman up here who's calling myself a son. I'm doing it very intentionally. <laughs> because in the word of God, when this was written, um, women had no legal rights. Women were not heirs. And Jesus looked at the women of his time and called them sons called them heirs. You and I, he's adopted into his family. Understand that adoption in this time period doesn't look like it does today. We have several um, children or congregation that have been adopted or in foster care, and, and it's such a beautiful program that I love and I have a huge heart for, um, especially because my best friends are in the process of adopting. But that's not what this looked like in this society. In this society, what it looked like was a man who had... Um, who had prestige in the community of some kind. He had a fortune, he had a business, he had a household, he had something that he wanted to pass to someone and had no heir. So he would go into, perhaps into his business or into the community, and he would look for someone qualified to carry his name. Someone that he wanted to pass his legacy to. Everything that he's built... Everything that he's invested his entire life in, I want to find someone that I think is worthy to carry my name. And he looked at you and said, I call you son. Okay, you hearing me? He's, his purpose is to make you an heir. To teach you to carry his name. To, that you would bear the name of God in our society. That you would be his walking ambassador. His walking representative to the people around us. He wants that from you. He wants to make that for you. He wants to make you into that image. Okay, do you see this? The honor of this the incredible honor of this invitation. But realize that while a friend goes home, a child goes home to their father, right? That the relationship there is different. If, if something's going wrong and I was still at home, you know the first person I called? My dad. Actually came up on my... Um, my story the other day. Um, this was years and years and years ago. Um, I, in my 16-year-old bright self, in my nice little Ford Taurus, that's super small, drove right into a snowbank because, you know, I can get through that. Um, it was like a snow drift over the road and I was like, I can make it, right? It's just snow. Yeah, my poor father trekked down the road. <laughs> to come shovel me out of my own road to get home again. I didn't go anywhere that day. Um, but understand, the role of a father in a son's life is so much more involved. There, there's so much more that happens between a father and a son than happens even between friends or between a slave and a master. There's so much more intimacy. There's a promise of presence. There's a promise of I'm going to be there, Okay. Does that make sense? So there's that, but even this one, even this relationship has limitations. 
because while um, I can share anything with my father, my father doesn't always share everything with me, right? You do this with your kids that maybe you don't, you don't clue them into everything going on in your heart because you don't want them to carry the burden you carry, right? Do you know that God didn't want even that boundary with you? His final invitation, and I'm going to attempt to wrap this up quickly. We'll find out how this goes. Um, his final invitation to you as lover is lover. The relationship between Christ and the church is constantly compared to that of a bridegroom and a bride. Um, Ephesians 5 25 to 33 says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say... Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. His desire is to be one with you. He's made his temple within you. He's put his Holy Spirit in you to be one with you. The depth of intimacy that he's invited us to is astounding. If you can fully grasp the extravagance of this invitation, it will change your life, bottom line. It will change everything about the way that you live, the way that you operate in this world. His desire has always been, his, his intention has always been a marriage covenant with you. He's inviting you to the deepest intimacy where all pretense is removed and all that remains is the purity of who you are and the purity of who he is. To know him and for him to know you. To know the deepest desires and dreams of his heart and care for him. And for him to know and carry the deepest thoughts and dreams of your heart. This is what he wants from you. He wants more than just your Sunday morning attendance. He wants more than just your slave response. You told me to do it, so I'll do it. He wants your heart. That's why he set you free to make a choice because there is no love without choice. He, his desire is that you would choose him just as he has chosen you. To choose to enter into a deeper level of intimacy than you've currently shared with him. This is the very foundation of the covenant that he's made with us. Ooh, Hebrews 8, 10 to 11 said, But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. 
I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not teach, need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. You won't need to teach them. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. The very basis of the covenant that he's invited us to is one of knowing, one of intimacy, one of relationship with him that goes so much deeper than we've accessed, than I've accessed. The Lord's calling me so much deeper, so I'm here to call you deeper. So much deeper that we would get past, can I just call it out, get past our benefits and get to our responsibility in this. You see, you have to understand that each of these invitations, while they felt like an elevation, each one is a full encompassing, it's putting the four together that fully encompasses what he wants with you. Because each one has a limitation. But if you can put all four together, they are simultaneously what he wants to be with you. But understand that we can be in a relationship with someone that's one-sided, right? Y'all have seen that. If you look at the prodigal son story, the prodigal son knew he was a son, right? He knew fully the advantage of his position in his father's household, so much so that he took advantage of it and he took his inheritance and ran. He knew he was a son, but he didn't know his father as father. You see what I'm saying? He never allowed his father to father him. And yet, the brother, this poor man, I feel so bad for this father. Um, the other son who stayed behind, the only position he knew in that household was slave. He never learned to allow his father to invite him deeper either. He was sitting there trying to earn the love of his father, to earn a calf, to earn the celebration, and never entered into the full depth of relationship that his father desired to have with him. Understand in a relationship, in every relationship, you can receive the benefits and never give back. But if you fully understand the extravagance of what he's invited you to, there has to be a response. There has to be a response. There has to be a moment where you choose to go deeper with him, where you choose to trust him deeper, where you choose to love him deeper, where you choose to pour out to him. In, in, in a, in a husband-wife relationship, there is a sharing of the burden, right? We share a bank account, we share a bed, we share a house, we share responsibilities, we share our burdens. What the Lord is desiring from you is so much more intimate than what we've touched. So my challenge for you today is do not scorn the invitation he's given you. Have you embraced all of it or some of it? 
Do you relate to him so much as a friend that you've forgotten he's your Lord? Do you relate to him so much as a father, but you've never entered a moment of lover? Can we just spend some time with him? Just, just a couple minutes. Will you just get alone with him for a second? And, and search your own heart. God, I don't know what you want to do today. What I carry is so much more than what I could say. And Father, I can't speak it the way you can. So Father, I pray right now that you would begin to minister to the hearts of the people here. And that Lord, even though I can tell them this is your invitation, Father, it doesn't mean anything if you don't give it. Lord, I pray that you would begin to whisper your invitation to us today. That you would begin to whisper what it is you're drawing them into next. Father, we give you our lives, our whole heart. Father, just to know you more. You've chosen us and you've given us more than we could comprehend. I pray that that wouldn't be lost to us. But Lord, that it would be so revealed that the only thing we could do is respond. The only thing we could do is pour out our love on you. Pray that you transform us in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with us today. I've never gone this long in a message, so I apologize. Um, if you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come forward and find one of our prayer partners. And if you are here and you have never received any part of his invitation, maybe you find that you're still a slave to sin. Will you come find one of us? We would love to pray with you. Otherwise, thank you, Resonate. You guys are amazing. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you're looking to see us in person or online, we are on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, Resonate Church, or live in person every week, Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You can also visit our website, resonline.org, to find us there. Remember, let's reach the world from Nuego and make it hard to go to hell from Michigan.